Instead of value engineering, we're engineering value. Bringing you thought leadership on how to find success in U.S. manufacturing, this is Engineering Value, a Draper podcast. Hello and welcome to Engineering Value, a podcast from Draper. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the program. Today we're talking about the impact that ambient light has on projector screens and some of the science behind it and the solutions that are available for this particular challenge. And so we are talking about ambient light rejection today, or ALR for short. And joining me from Draper is Steve Cook, their consultant relations manager. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to dive into this topic with you today, Steve. And I want to start off by setting up the problem that many projection users are facing with regard to ambient light. How does ambient light have an impact on projected images? It has uh, impact in a few different ways. And and, uh, a lot of people don't really fully understand how it impacts, uh, you know, the image. Um, what a lot of people forget very quickly is, you know, proje- uh, projection is, is a two-piece system, always has been, goes way back into the old days. So you have a projector and you have a screen with a screen surface. Both of those things come into play. And if you're not selecting them properly, you can get into trouble right, right off the bat. And the other thing is a lot of people don't understand light and how light um, even uh, moves around and affects things in a space. And um, a person that really fully understands how a projection system works, understands how light bounces around the room or gets absorbed in the room or, you know, does either of those things off of not only the screen surface, but all of the surfaces in the room. So, um, and, and again, that's something that, that gets overlooked. You know, so um, the the main two things in a in a projection system is light in the viewer's eyes affects a system brightness, which is a combination of the projector's lumens and what the screen surface does to that projected light. So the light from the projection system getting into your eyes as a viewer has to exceed by a margin any ambient light that is in the room bouncing around or whatever getting into your eye. So it's a competition of two types of light. So you actually have good and bad light. So you need to make sure that that light that is coming from the projector off the screen, getting into your eyes, exceeds by a good margin, the light coming from the ambient light getting into your eyes. And uh, so right off, that's one of the more important things. And then you also have the light that's hitting the screen surface that directly affects the system contrast. So when the image is projected onto a screen surface, the more diffusive that screen surface is, the more ambient light will hit the surface, which kind of lights up if it's very diffusive, and then it gets washed out. So basically, the blacks in your image, you know, get washed out. Hmm. You have two places you need to worry about light, light getting into the, the audience's eyes but light also hitting the screen surface and each one affects two different things. That's really fascinating. And it really seems to get into um, just how our eyes perceive light and, uh, and into the science of how that all works, which is really fascinating. But we've all experienced that, uh, that, you know, that, that feeling of walking into a room and seeing that there's a projection screen, but barely being able to make out what's on the screen, right? Uh, whether it's at universities, you know, uh, places of higher learning, uh, all kinds of different places, you'll walk into a facility, look up at a projected image on the screen and not be able to read it well enough just because 
because of the amount of ambient light in a room and, and that sort of thing. And it's interesting to know a little bit more about the science behind how that all works, which is which is particularly fascinating. So when it comes to ambient light rejection, ALR, tell us how that works and uh, tell us a little bit more about what that allows for. Ambient light rejection allows for you to get you know, decent performance from the projection system in a fully lighted room, basically. There are a lot of rooms um, that have a little bit of light in them that's very well controlled, and you don't necessarily need an ALR screen. And an example of that is, um, you know, an auditorium or a performing arts auditorium. There are different types of auditoriums. Typically, the screen is down in a proscenium. It's shaded pretty well. Uh, there's not much light on it. So, you know, your system contrast uh, is already off to a, a pretty good start. And the light over the audience is usually pretty well controlled. Usually there's no sunlight or, or there's light blocking shades if there's a little bit. And they usually control the lights so that, you know, all they really need is enough lights to read a, a pamphlet for a play or something like that. But they're not going to be studying and reading for hours on, on end. So in a scenario like that, in an ambient light rejecting screen, the return on investment wouldn't necessarily be be enough uh, in that lighting. So dark black box theaters, dark rooms, up to rooms that are low light or very very well controlled light don't necessarily need ambient light rejection. But as soon as you get into a room that's fully lighted, where you need enough light to read documents for an extended period of time, you need an ALR screen. And in our industry, we do, in the commercial in, uh, side of our industry, we do have best practices. Avixa is, is our main association, and um, Avixa has, uh, does create some standards, and some of us sit on some of those, um, those group, those task groups to create some of these standards. And one of them currently is, is the PISCA standard. So there is kind of a baseline for about 80% of what we do in the commercial market where we, we need to hit 15 to 1 system contrast. That's kind of like a, a baseline. And um, and in a room, if you can't hit that, then you're not going to get a very good readable image. It's going to be washed out. And um, an ambient light rejection screen allows you to exceed that that baseline number, you know, and 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 have no problem doing that in a fully lighted room. With with a matte white screen, it's almost impossible. As far as the technology and how it works, there are a couple of types of ALR screen material technologies out there. Um, you can probably just uh, categorize them as two different types. One is a lenticular ALR screen, which is basically a lens. There are um, etchings in a material, sometimes multiple layers of etchings, and sometimes they're you know out of phase of each other. But these type of ALR screens are some of the better ALR screens, but they have a lot of limitations. They can reject very well ambient light vertically. In other words, coming from the ceiling. The problem is, is they can't reject light horizontally. They're very limited in size, typically 58 to 60 inches tall. That's about their max because that's, that's the limit in the process that they're made in. They're extremely expensive and they're also very difficult to roll up on an electric screen. Uh, we used to um, have a company um, make product like that for us many years ago. We used to sell it before we came out with our own ALR technology. And so we now have a process in our TechVision line that 
is um, a vinyl-based ALR screen surface. So in other words, the screen is, is uh, basically a vinyl screen, a flexible vinyl screen that can go on a fixed frame screen or an electric tab tension screen. And um, there are a couple manufacturers that can make that type. The benefit is, is, is they can reject light very well. They can go up to very large sizes. We can go up to 23 feet by 69 feet. It's much more reasonably much more reasonable cost these days. So our, our ALR costs more, but it doesn't cost as much as what some of the materials used to cost many years ago. And they're very flexible in how they can be used. They're not as peaky as far as what angle the projector is at. You, you have much more flexibility in, in pr projector placement and, and things like that. So this type of ALR that we do is um, when we basically take the screen material and we're making the tint a very dark gray tint because the dark gray basically has more black in it. So right away, your reference black level is better because there's more black in the, into the screen. It's, it's, it's very dark gray. So that helps the blacks. And then we're also making the surface more reflective, what we call specular reflective. So specular reflective surfaces basically reflect light more at an opposite angle of in incidence. So basically we're taking light that's coming off axis and we're trying to reflect it away from the audience basically. And where a lot of people get confused is we're trying to mostly, even though we can, the type we use also, we can um, reject light from any direction, not just vertically, but horizontally any direction. The downside is a lot of people don't understand that we can reject a lot of the off-axis ambient light, but not all of it, just a certain percentage of it. So, you know, any light coming from the ceiling grid or from a lamp off-axis, we can reject most of that. And it's not a lot of light to begin with, not unlike sunlight. What ALR really it can reject a lot of sunlight, but what people don't realize is sunlight is extremely powerful. And if you've got 2,000 foot candles of light getting in from a window of direct sunlight, mm -hmm. we can reject a lot of it, but there's still way too much left over and it's still going to wash out the image. So it's really not meant, you really need a room that still has shades. It's not meant for sunlight. Sunlight's too powerful. And that's, that's with any ALR screen. That's a, a, a mistake that a lot of people make. It's really meant to take the ambient light, the lighting in the room and reject that. All right. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's it's good that you said that. And uh, yeah, sunlight is obviously uh, extremely powerful. All you have to do is uh, look at my skin in the summertime, which is not what we're talking about here, but uh, <laughs> but certainly an example for sure. So uh, Steve, do you have any examples of ALR being successfully implemented that you want to share? Just uh, times that you've seen personally where ALR has been implemented to great effect um, for that particular facility or room? Yeah, you know, we've got a project we did um, and uh, I think we We've got possibly some photos and some of our documents um, where we, we did a church a few years ago. And to me, it's a very good example of um, the success with ALR. It was um, a church that we did about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. I wasn't actually involved in it, but one of our West Coast guys was. And they had... Um, they had a surface-mounted electric screen up at the front of the church, and typically churches are horrendous lighting scenarios. Uh, a lot of sunlight gets in. Then they have the ambient light in the room also on, and most churches are big white bowls. 
The ceilings are white. The columns are white. The walls are white. Everything is white. They have sunlight coming in. They don't like the light block, the sunlight. And in white surfaces are highly diffusive surface. So the light just spatters around all over the place. So the light is literally just being spattered everywhere in, in the church. And so it was a, a really bad example of, um, you know, of, of a situation. So they had one of our surface mounted screens with a matte white surface, which is the worst surface to use in, in a light with ambient ambient lighting. And um, they used one of our ALR surfaces and they upgraded the projector. They went to 16 by nine aspect ratio. And when it was all done, it was, it was, it went from being unusable, washed out and unusable to usable. And so that was a, 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 a big success. And what was great about it was it was also the church of a consultant that I deal with down in San Diego. I, again, I didn't know it until after. And I happened to, in one of my presentations, show the picture and he said, hey, that's my church. And, you know, it, it was just kind of a, a cool <laughs> success story because it, it, it affected somebody that I know and deal with, you know. But the other thing um, I should probably mention is, is, is the difference between the types of reflection and, um, and how the ALR uh, is more beneficial to other types of screens. I think I probably need to bring up the difference between diffuse reflection and specular reflection. I know that's uh, something that I probably need to clarify. So, so those are the two types of reflection, and and that's with any kind of a surface. By the way, it's not just projection screens. Um, you have diffuse and specular reflection in any surface, whether it's paint on a wall. Companies that make paint have to worry about um, those two types of things. Um, it it affects things like loss levels and 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 stuff like that. But basically, with with projection screens, the easiest way to explain it is, is on one end of the spectrum you have diffuse reflection, and on the other end of the spectrum you have specular reflection. And a true specular reflector is is a mirror. If you take light from a flashlight and shine it from off axis at 45 degrees, it's going to hit the mirror and bounce the other way in the opposite direction at 45 degrees. So it's going to bounce at, a, at, a, at an exact opposite angle of incidence. So it's going to bounce away at the same angle. Um, we don't make screens that are mirrors, <laughs> but that that is one end of the spectrum for reflection. At the other end of the spectrum, a true diffuse reflector is uh, a sample of barium sulfate. And what that means is when light hits a true diffuse uh, reference diffuser, light will hit it and it, it will basically almost take that light and spread it almost at a full 180 degree fan. So that in, in, for an example, in movie theater, theater, you would like to have a good diffuse reflector because you want the projector light to hit the screen surface and and be spread out through the audience evenly so that everybody in the cheap seats way off to the sides will have almost as much brightness as the person in the center. So we don't make screens also that are perfect diffuse reflectors because that's just too difficult to do, but a good um, diffuse reflector for, for something like a black box theater will be um, as close to as possible as uh, a sample of barium sulfate. What we do is we make screens um, in the middle of two, those two opposite ends in the spectrum. And we put different varying amounts of diffuse reflection and specular reflection to get the surface to do what we want. So we do that, and we also change the tint of the screen. 
All right. So basically, white screens are predominantly diffuse reflectors. The cheapest screen surface you can buy is matte white. And unfortunately, most schools and and applications that are low budget Mm -hmm. have matte white because they're the cheapest thing that you can buy and put on an electric screen to roll up, unfortunately. And because schools use public money, taxpayer dollars, and they have to go out and be bid out to three equal alternates, which means that everyone's going to bid the cheapest thing, unfortunately. It's the worst thing to put in a fully lighted room because you don't want a full diffuser. You want something that has more specular reflection in it, which is an ALR surface. So all white screens are basically diffusers, just with varying amounts of reflectivity to increase the whites so that your image is whiter, but all white screens will have the same amount of black. They don't affect the black at all. So right now, the easiest way to explain it is if you took a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper and held it up in front of you, that piece of paper would be black in the space that you're in. The only way to make it blacker in that fully lighted room, if you're in a fully lighted room, is to shut the lights off, put the shades down, and try to get the room blacker. You can't make that white piece of paper black unless you get rid of all the light. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the easiest way to explain it. Yeah. So how well, how good do you think your blacks are going to be if you project on it and in a fully lighted room? Not very good, you know. So what an ALR screen does is we go darker and darker in the gray tint to help the blacks, and we increase the reflectivity. We use different types of components to do various things to try to affect how the light is being bounced away from the audience. So basically, we're making the surface more of a specular reflector. So the higher we go in specular reflectivity, the more light off axis we're able to bounce away from the audience. So the projector light comes in fairly straight on, and that's reflected back into the audience, but light coming from the side is gonna, on the right side of the room is going to be reflected away to the left side of the room, mm. not to the audience. That's the idea. Light on the ceiling line, same thing. Most of that light that's too close to the screen is going to be reflected down to the carpet. That's, that's what an ALR screen is trying to do. And um, there are trade-offs. The higher we go in that reflectivity, that specular reflectivity, the off-axis starts to suffer more and more. And also, at some point, you can start. You have to start being careful of having a hotspot condition. As that projector gets closer, the screen isn't able to diffuse it well enough because it's not high in diffusion. It's more specular reflective. So the more specular reflectivity we add and the less diffusive it is then the more it can't take that light and diffuse it and you start to get a glow in the middle which is a hot spot Mm. it it doesn't have so much to do with how bright the projector is other than the spot's going to be brighter it's all about angles okay which i don't want to get too much into and off track but those are some of the trade-offs and you have to start being a little bit more careful of hot spotting and a little bit more careful that that screen surface is going to spread the light enough into your audience if it's a if it's a wide seating environment 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, so Steve, you've you've broken down a lot of uh, fantastic details and a lot of things to consider and things to think through when uh, when making decisions on products like these. What's the value, in your opinion, of of seeking outside expertise? Right. So, going to someone like yourself when you are trying to make these types of decisions for your facility, be you you know, be it a church or wherever you might be, a, a corporate setting, something like that. What's the value of bringing in someone who's an expert who can help you know walk you through the different decisions and uh, the different options that are available uh, when making a decision like this? Well, a lot of it depends on who the customer is. You know, if if it's a K through 12 school, you know, they're probably not going to have the budget to pay, you know, pay a little bit more for a screen because uh, just because higher education, that's different. They may have more of a budget. Uh, They may have to spread the budget out. But what a lot of universities will do is they'll use an ALR screen in science labs so they can see the veins, so they can see the blood red, so they can see the detail. Because the better the system contrast ratio, the better the eye sees the difference between the whites and their adjacent blacks. So if you have a bunch of black text up there and it's washed out, then you're not going to see where the letter E hits the black letter E, hits the whites sharply because it's washed out. So it doesn't affect resolution, but what it does affect is detail. Things do become sharper. You do get more detail. Architecture, CAD drawings, um, things like that become much more, you know, much more important, that type of application, you know. So it is important, you know, for certain applications and certain customers um, to try to find the budget to use um, ALR screen surface. And um, and in those cases, they really should try to bring a designer in that is familiar and has experience with designing projection systems because they will understand it morally more. They'll be, they have more experience uh, in it. It can be the difference again of, you know, being able to, you know, see veins in a medical imagery, um, if someone's doing architecture and there's, um, you know, beautiful detail in the architecture and they can't see all that detail, then, you know, they, they lose the impact, you know, things like that. So it's very important. And, and it, can, it can be calculated. You can, there are calculators available where we have a calculator on our portal that, our, that designers can, can log in and use our, it's called the projection planner. Where they can go in and they can put all the projector information, all the room information, the image size. It'll even help them pick an image size. Um, They can guesstimate the lighting in the room. We give them a chart of typical rooms and what their their lighting scenarios are. And they can plug in those lighting values that we suggest, you know, for an auditorium, for a classroom, for a training room, for a conference room. And they can guesstimate what their image could look like because what it will do is it'll bring up the system contrast ratio between the whites and the ALRs. And you can see whether you're hitting our industry standard of 15 to 1 or more. So it's something that can be calculated. People that don't have that expertise and know enough to use the calculators that are out there, a lot of times what they do is they feel safe with matte white. You can do a basic calculation with matte white, but you can't do a basic calculation for ALRs unless you have a calculator from the company that makes those materials because they have to know all the characteristics of that material to, to add that information into the calculator. So there are no 
industry standard calculators that work for everybody's materials because you have to know all the data and characteristics for each of those materials. To be able to calculate that info for our stuff, you'd have to go into our calculator and do that. But it's it's very important. So un- unfortunately, a lot of people feel comfortable with Matt White because they, they know what it does. It's very simple. It's just a unity gain. It works for wide audiences. It doesn't hotspot typically. However, you know, in a fully lighted room, they're not going to get our industry standard for system contrast ratio. Hmm. It, it is important. And, and a good designer will also know enough not to pick the projector first because you have to know what the lighting, the seating, throw distance ratio is, all the information in that space and pick a surface that will give you the results that you want and then pick the projector lumens to light that up appropriately. Most people do it, do that backwards also. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, you've given us a lot of insight and expertise on the uh, on on this episode, Steve. When it comes to ambient light rejection and uh, and things to think through, uh, is there anything we haven't touched on yet, or anything you want to say just in summary of this episode that you want people to know before we sign off today? Um, really, it's it's uh, a lot of people get frustrated because um, they feel it when they start digging into it that it starts to get frustrating. And, you know, the main takeaway is, is you really can simplify it. And, um, and if you want to try to select the right surface, it can be as simple as if you're in a dark or highly controlled lighted environment, a white screen will be okay, but really they're best for dark rooms. If you're in a fully lighted room, you should use an ALR material and you want to use as high of an ALR material, in other words, a uh, one that rejects the most as possible, yet still supports the off-axis viewing, and you abide by what the manufacturer says in the, is the minimum throw distance ratio, so you don't get hot spotting, and that's it. Um, it's it's that simple. Um, if if you're in a dark room, white's fine. If you're in a fully lighted room, ALR is the way to go and you need to light it up appropriately and pick the highest that you can, but we'll have enough off-axis viewing performance and and also not hotspot. That's it. It, it. it really comes down to that. I like the keep it simple approach. That that works for me, Steve, just uh, uh, when, when considering these sorts of things. And so Steve Cook, Consultant Relations Manager at Draper. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today and talking to us about ALR and, and breaking this all down for us. My pleasure. Absolutely. And everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode of the show. Make sure you go to draperinc.com. That's draperinc.com for more information about these products, as well as uh, the the full line of everything that Draper has to offer. And of course, uh, make sure you go back and listen to previous episodes of the podcast. If you haven't already, there you can learn more about uh, plenty of different things uh, across the industry that Draper does. And you can hear their, uh, their expertise and their insights on those topics as well. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to stay up to date with the latest in thought leadership from Draper. And we'll be back soon with those new episodes. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.